Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. I just thank you that as we we dive into this word, that it's not just something that has been studied or something that is topical, but God, let it be something that we have, uh, that can pierce our hearts. Lord, use your word for correction, for reproof, for edification. God, I just thank you that uh, even as I speak, God, let it be convicting to myself as well um, and uh, uh, applicable to every area of our lives. In your name, amen. If you get your Bible open up to Luke chapter 10, we're going to hit up in 38 through 41. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, our wonderful Joshua Thomas extraordinaire is going to put it on the screen for us. So here we go. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister, sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he said. But Martha was distracted with all the preparations she had to make. Any ladies can recognize that, like you have an event, you have something going on, and you have a hard time enjoying people at your house because you're continually doing something, cleaning something, making something. A lot of women, Thomas can recognize that. Like we go through and we we are constantly working for something. He says this, Martha uh, was distracted, so she came up to him and said, Lord, you don't care that my sister has left me to do all the work alone, so tell her to help me. The Lord answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the best part, and it will not be taken away from her. If you, if you are into highlighting or underlining, underline Mary has chosen the best. Mary has chosen the best because the reality is in our lives is that good is always the enemy of best you have an avid en- enemy that is out to seek and destroy john 10 10 says for the thief comes to kill steal and destroy and you know what happens is that the moment that he realizes that he can't kill steal or destroy who you are you know what he does he partners with you for mediocrity If he can't get you to God's best, he's okay with just being good enough. Because the moment you realize who you are in Christ, the moment you have that connection and that moment where you are are, are living a life that is fulfilled, you have an opportunity to continue to set people free. But as long as you are just mediocre, and as long as you are just living a normal life, and as long as you're blending in, you live life frustrated because you know that there's more, but you're not experiencing it. Anybody ever been there before? Well, you know there's more in your life. You know there's a, there's a deeper level, that there's more opportunities, that there's more whatever is going on, but we find ourselves frustrated with average. In our text, we, we have this account of Jesus arriving, arriving at this home where he was teaching, and two sisters lived at this home, and one was eager to honor with expected hospitality, but the other seized <clears throat> the opportunity to spend time with what it was, and that is the best in his relationship. In the book, uh, Tyranny of uh, the Urgent, it addresses this whole idea that many of us <laughs> have an issue with everything that is urgent. We sit at dinner 
and we are having a hard time being in that moment because our phones are ringing and we stop eating because we feel like this is more important. It's, it's something new, it's urgent. We are continually being bombarded. And that's why if you have like an iPhone or an Android, um, it, you get the notifications because they know that a lot of people have a hard time seeing that red bubble. You know what I'm talking about? Like when it has the number one or number two next to your app, you're like, I, I gotta know what it is. It's aggravating. Unless you're my mom, she'll have like a thousand you know, emails unread at one single time. And it's interesting to me because what happens is, is that we are continually going from what we have deemed urgent to urgent to urgent to urgent. And the questions that we find ourselves is, are we actually living a life that's prioritized with our future or are we letting everybody else and everything else tell us what's more important and stealing the best? Because I promise you, moms and dads, when you are in your 50s and your 60s and you're remembering the moments that you had at the dinner table with your kids, you're not going to sit back and go, you know what I wish? I wish I'd have checked Facebook a whole lot more. I wish I would have been so distracted with everything that's going on that I just completely ignored my kids because they are just horrible. No. Because what happens is that everybody else is telling us what our priorities should be where we are. Can I tell you, uh, I, I'm not afraid to work. Um, I've worked with my hands. I worked, my, you know, my, my dad was a taskmaster. No. Uh, we, he was my boss. I have had a job since I was 12. I have been fired in my entire life from two bosses or two jobs. My dad was the boss both times. He's, it, it's just, what, yeah, it just, it's what it is. We work hard. We grew up in slap out. We had 10 acres of land, uh, the front half was developed, the back half was woods, and on the weekends, we worked. That's what you did. When I say back half is woods, I mean so many trees, there are no grass, nothing can grow woods. And dad would be like, what are you doing today? Oh, well, grass is dead, so you can't cut. We're not going to be tilling up the garden, so go outside and just pick up sticks. And do what with them? Put them in a pile. Just be busy doing something. One chore that I despised above everything everything was going into the garden and pulling weeds. To this day, I have PTSD from pulling weeds. I hate it. hate it. I will do anything that you want. I will spend 10 hours cutting your grass so I don't do one hour of pulling weeds. I don't like to do it. And yesterday, I'm driving down the road, and, and I'm driving, and in the median, there are these beautiful flowers in the median. I'm like, oh, they're gorgeous. And then you realize that those aren't actual flowers. They're nothing but beautiful weeds. And what's taking place in our lives is that we're allowing beautiful weeds to consume our spaces. And we're so concerned with what looks good and what appears to be the real thing that we're sacrificing the best just so we can have beautiful beautiful weeds in our lives. And can I tell you, we hate pulling the weeds. Absolutely despise it. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Can I tell you, the enemy has plans too, and that is to fill your garden with beautiful weeds. Because what a weed does is it sucks the life, it sucks the resources, it takes everything good away from what's important and it has the appearance of beauty, but it has no sustenance to it. 
Beautiful weeds aren't something that we can consume. Beautiful weeds aren't something that, that we can enjoy. Beautiful weeds do nothing but cause issues in our lives. And what's happened is that so many of us have just seen the weeds and we've done our best to decorate the weeds instead of pulling them up and planting the flowers. Because it's a lot easier to put a fence around a beautiful weed and call it a flower than it is to pull it and, bear, and, and plant a new one. I ain't getting no love today, y'all. My kids, I pick them up from school every day, and I do the, and parents, you get this, do the same thing. How was your day? My daughter jumps in my truck. Dad, got an A on my spelling test. And I'm like, for real? So then I'll text her teacher. She's like, yeah, she's a good day. I'm like, babe, that's amazing. Good job. So she tells me about it and how easy it was. She, doesn't, she forgets the eight hours of us screaming because she's refusing to study. But, you know, it was so easy, Dad. I, I, I got an A. Good for you, babe. I'm very, very proud of you. Son, what about you? Uh, what now? What's the question again? What, what did, how was your day today? Day, my, my day. My day. When you say day... What do you mean? What happened in school today? Hmm. He's like, Dad, I, I, got, I got a C on my test. Now, I'm not the parent that has to have A students. Trust me, I wasn't one. Um, but I do want the best. I want them to give their best. And so he goes so quickly, Dad, I got a C, but I can still pass. As he said that, I realized so many times in our lives is that we are looking for a passing grade than excellence. That we're okay with living a life that's a C plus than it is actually being an A. That we are looking at everything else going, as long as I am okay, as long as I didn't get a D, as long as I don't get the F, then it's okay. As long as I'm better than them, that's okay. As long as I don't have to be, to put the energy to be the A. In Exodus, we see some weeds. And I'm going to talk about a couple of weeds in our lives. And honest to God, I'm talking about the weeds in my life. You may have different ones. Uh, you may have the same. So uh, do your best to apply this to your own personal lives as best you can. But in Exodus 18, we see, we see Moses dealing with some issues. The children of Israel have experienced um, freedom from the tyranny that is Egypt. And now they're trying to figure out how to be a people, how to be a nation, how to do all the things. And in verse 7, so Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him, and they asked each other about their well-being. And when they went into the tent, Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to all the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardships that had come upon them on their way, and how the Lord had delivered them. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done in Israel, and whom he had delivered out of the hands of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians, out of the hands of the Pharaohs, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Verse 11, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all these gods, for in the very thing which, which they have behaved profoundly, for he was above them. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' Moses' father-in-law before God. And verse 13, And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. 
And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that the people did, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for these people? Why do you sit alone? And why do all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire for God. When they have difficulties, they come to me, and I judge between one and the other, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. Pause. What he's saying is, I'm doing all the things that I need to be doing. It's a good thing to speak for God. It's a good thing to be a a, a believer. It's a good thing for people to come to you and for counseling and for all those things. It's a great thing for us to have all of those wonderful encounters. But you know what's happening is that Moses is settling for good at this moment. Because he's called to lead the people, not to get caught up in the trivial details. Was Moses busy? Sun up to sundown, he was busy. And here's the thing that we find ourselves. That many of us have beautiful weeds that we justify, that we spiritualize, the ones that seem super serious, the ones that look and give us uh, a status, they give us a title, they give us all those things, but it's just a weed. Name a couple of my weeds. (laughs) A good weed is my my, my food. I can't tell you the amount of times I will just go through Chick-fil-A instead of making something for myself. It's not bad. It's not McDonald's. It's good. It's chicken. Sometimes it's even grilled chicken. Fancy. Sometimes I get a water. It's good. But can I tell you, it's not the best. It's quick. It's efficient. It satisfies a hunger. But is it truly giving me all the nutrients needed to grow, to be? to exercise, to have wisdom. We do the same thing spiritually because we'll settle for a good podcast instead of a great relationship in our church. We live in a society that we would rather have drive-through sermons than actually have real relationships with each other. It feels good because I heard the Bible Is there anything wrong with listening to a podcast or a sermon? Absolutely not. It's a good thing. But good is always the enemy of best. And if I'm living my life based on, I'll catch the sermon when I'm driving down the road, instead of having fellowship with one another, I'm settling for good when God's got best. And we live in our, our lives with drive-through mentality, with our relationships. I want to keep everybody in, you know, when you go through McDonald's, when you go through Chick-fil-A, you expect to pull in, get your food, and get out, in five to ten minutes. And that's exactly how many of us have our relationships. It's those five to ten minute drive-through relationships. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. God's good. God's good to me too. What's going on in your life? Not a whole lot. How about you? It's going pretty good. It's great. Hey, we'll see you next week. Bye. And and those drive-through relationships go, oh, I know Elaine. I know Marsha. I know Rusty. I know Bob. Great people. And what we're doing is, is that we're limiting 
our best relationship because God has called us to have horizontal relationships and vertical relationships. He's called me to look at you and you to look at me and to speak life and to speak love, to speak grace, to speak correction, to speak honesty, to do all those things. And is it always fun? Absolutely not. But is it necessary? Absolutely it is. Because what happens is that as long as I keep people in a drive through relationship and a fast food relationship, that all I'm doing for myself is I make myself feel like I've got a lot of friends. But then I'm at home all by myself in my lonesome and I have a clue who to call when I'm actually dealing with something. Because all you see are my Instagram posts and how everything's filtered and everything's great and everything's wonderful. But what happens when I'm dealing with depression and I don't have somebody around me that I can call because I haven't let anybody into that world. Because drive-through relationships not only keep us at a distance because we, two things, don't want anybody to see our flaws and our failures and our weaknesses. And secondly, we don't want to see anybody else's. Because the moment I see an issue, the moment I see something that I could help you with is the moment I have to be responsible for that. And if I just don't know, I can just keep going. And I can go back to Netflix. I can, I can go back to, my, to the gram. I can do those things because I'll just, I'll just scroll through. And this is, this is our lives. This is exactly what we're doing in our relationships. Is Oh, I like that one. That's not, no, I don't like it. Yeah, that's good. Elaine, you look great. Happy birthday. Man, my best friend right there. We go way back. Do we have drive-through relationships? Do we have drive-through food mentality, spiritually speaking? Do we have drive-through prayer? Let's go. I prayed today. You are you a person of prayer? I pray every day. We have this idea that to be something great, it has to be so efficient that it doesn't cost us something. Because we are conditioned for comfort, and we're conditioned for convenience, we're conditioned to live life in three-minute relationships. And that includes our relationship with God. I'll, I'll, I'll pray on my way to work as I'm losing my mind because somebody cut me off. Pray to God you run them right off that road. I rebuke that forward in the name of Jesus. No. And what, what's going on is that we sound spiritual, we look spiritual, and sometimes we even feel spiritual. But we're not doing something that means, means anything. We want drive-through worship. God forbid that the song has spontaneous worship and it goes longer than we want it to be. Or even worse, they play the same song two weeks in a row. And as long as we are living our lives and our spiritual meals through a drive through mentality, are we surprised that spiritually we're deficient in something? Remember that there was that documentary, Supersize Me, that the guy ate at McDonald's like every meal for 30 days and he was healthy and everything was great. And like the third week or second week, the doctor's like, you're about to die. He was consuming calories, he was consuming food, but it was killing him on the inside. 
And what happens is that a lot of us have a deficiency in our spirit because we're just going through drive-through relationships and drive-through prayer, and we don't want to do the work. Remember the old days when, when we used to have, like, camp meetings? Remember the old days when you had, like, Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, Wednesday night service, Tuesday prayer, Thursday prayer, and the idea that that wasn't going to be the case is crazy. Now, the amount of times that I have a conversation with somebody, with how long is your church? Hour and a half, two hours? Oh, no, 35 minutes. That's all I got. Once a week, 35 minutes. See, a, a healthy spiritual relationship isn't about the quantity of time that I give something, but can I tell you, if I have a mentality that I'm just checking a box off and I'm not invested into something, I'm never going to actually have something. The second weed in my garden, and this is going to sound funny from a pastor, but it's serving. I'll do anything for anyone, but I'll never stop and do self-reflection. So many times we, we have this idea that Jesus is coming back soon. So we need to look busy. Remember those days when uh, I, I lived in Slapout and uh, my mom and dad would give me chores to do or a list of things to do, and I would do about half of them, three-quarters of them, and then I would play Sega. Because I knew that our driveway was an eighth of a mile. And I knew the sound of a car, because there was nothing but cow pastures, and the only car that would be coming on that road is going to be one of them too. So the moment I heard a sound, I looked busy. Turned everything off, slid everything under the bed, and I'm working. Mom's coming in, oh, you're doing your chores, great. Oh, yeah, all day, Mom, working it. And this is what we're doing with Jesus so many times is that we feel like if we look busy, if we're doing something all the time, that he's going to be super happy. But in that story in Luke, he looked and said, no, Mary, you need to sit and listen, not because you need to be lazy, but because what I'm saying to you is supposed to change your life. And what's happening is that as long as we are busy, we don't have time to listen to something that's going to be meant to change our hearts, to change our lives. I had a, a friend who got a, a brand new uh, Jeep Wrangler. It was jacked up. It was be beautiful. And I'm like, let's go mud riding. He's like, I'm not going mud riding in this thing. This is, I think he spent like $45,000. I'm like, well, then what you get a Jeep for if we're not going to go take it off road? He's like, because it looks cool. And I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, come on. Let's go. Let's do something. So I'm peppering this guy. Finally, he's like, fine, I'll go. I'm going like, to get the mud tires. You got the lift kit. Look at the shocks. Dude, we can tear this thing. Let's, let's go. Let's just Let's just go through the woods, and we go, and we get stuck. <laughs> and he floors it, and them RPMs are going, and them wheels are spinning, and we ain't going nowhere. Here's the thing. We're using lots of energy, but we're not gaining any traction. Now, what's happening in my life a lot of times is that I serve so much, or I think I'm serving, whatever word, I'm doing busy work because I want to use a lot of energy, but I'm not getting any traction. And as long as we are living lives on that mentality, that as long as I'm busy, I'm doing good. But that's not the best, because God wants you to go from grace to grace and glory to glory, not just be busy, busy, busy. And as long as we are continually doing our best to serve and to do and to be all those things, we're never actually having any kind of traction of what's going on. 
our families are so busy with extracurricular activities that we have no time to talk about their lives and what's going on. And parents, I get it. I get it. But the reality is, is that our job as parents is not, hear me out, is not to keep their schedule busy. Our job is to train them up in the way they should go. And as long as we are just busy, 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 we have all of this activity going on, and we wonder when they're in their 20s, when they're in their 30s, when they're 15, what happened? We went to church. I was always around. Because what happens is that we have to build relationships that can bear truth. And driving to a baseball game five nights of the week, and then running home, take showers, get in bed. That's our lives. Hurry. Everybody wake up. We're in a panic. Go, 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 go. And everyone's like, oh, God. And they're trying to get ready for school, and we're jumping in the car, and we're screaming, eat this Pop-Tart. Go, 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 go. And they're like, they're, they're chugging orange juice and shoving a Pop-Tart on their throat, and we're like, tuck and roll, tuck and roll. And we drive up to the school, and they're barrel rolling out. We're like, we made it. It happens. It happens to me. I live right there. It takes as much time to get into my truck, to crank it up, to get my kids to sit down still, to back up, to get on the 14, to come down the driveway, as it does to literally walk. It's ridiculous. We come in at 3 o'clock, maybe we're coming in at 5 o'clock, we've got aftercare, we send them to karate, we send them to whatever it is, we, they do their thing, we come in, all the hair on fire, we run through the drive through Eat this, eat this, eat this. We gotta hurry. We got our next activity. We gotta go, we gotta go. We get there. We're, we're doing it. We get done at 7, 7.30. We come back home really, really quick. How much homework do you guys have? You didn't do your homework? What have you been doing today? Oh my God, go to your room. Go do your homework. And they're doing their homework real quick. And then at 9 o'clock, did you finish? It's bedtime. What have you been doing? And they're, ah. My son writes like he has a stroke half the time. Like, did you have a seizure halfway through your spelling words? What in the world is going on here? Writing in hieroglyphics half the time? It's a train wreck. I'm going to do it at 9 o'clock, go to bed. Jump in the bed. And I go, whew. Everything's okay. And I crawl into bed turn on the TV for a little bit until I fall asleep. And then we rinse, cycle, and repeat. And then our kids, who are dealing with issues like relationships, questions about God, life's not fair, pain, and they're not turning to us. And then we're surprised. I didn't know what happened. The amount of parents that I, that I run into that I can see in their kids, I can see what's going on, and then all of a sudden it's like the parent had no idea, had no clue at all. The amount of conversations that I've had about a child who is questioning their sexuality, who is, who is going through pain, who has been hurt by other people, the amount of times that I've, I've talked to students who I know are actively drinking, who are actively doing drugs. And parents go, well, they're good at sports. They're A, B, honor roll. We take them to youth group once a month. We go to church twice a month. 
We say our bedtime prayers. You see, what's happening is, is that we're, we're staying busy, but we're not actually doing something. Number three. Is this okay? We're doing okay? It got heavy real quick. Like, I'm pretty sure I saw somebody grab a pitchfork. So we're, all right. My third is uh, the weed of short-sightedness. Mark Batterson says that we're one decision away from completely changing our life. We live our lives from hour to hour instead of eternity. And no one at the age of 24 plans on eating cat food when they're 80 because that's all they can afford. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be homeless. I want to live under the bridge. Really? Okay, cool. Mm Mm-mm. No, it's because people have this big idea of what they should be doing and having a successful career and a happy family and all these things, and then they don't realize that it takes energy and it takes focus to attain those things. And that's why when you pick a degree at a university, they tell you which classes you're going to take because they're trying to put frame upon frame, lesson upon lesson, to get you to a place that you can function in society in that career field. And if all I'm doing is taking underwater basket weaving and trampoline jumping, which are legit classes at Auburn, I'm sure Alabama's got something weird too, but it gets to this place in our lives that we're, we're, we're staying busy, but we're not, we're not doing something. We're so short-sighted because we want what's now. We want what's now. You know why they put the candy at the register? Did you know a lot of stores, the candy at the register, the SKU numbers are different than the exact same candy bar down the aisle, and it's more money? They will do a 15 or a 20% surcharge at the register for the exact same Snickers bar. Because we're not planning to buy a Snickers. It's just right in front of us, and we're just going to grab it. And it's costing us more. And that's where so many of us are, is that we get caught up in our weeds of today that we forget about our garden that we're wanting 10 years from now. Proverbs 24 says this, I passed by the fields of the sluggard and by the vineyards of the man lacking sense, and behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with weeds and its stone wall was broken down. And when I saw it, I reflected and I looked and I received instruction. And it says this, a little sheep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. Then your poverty will come as a robber and your wants like an armed man. Lack of preparation and just short-sightedness will go to somebody else's pocket, not yours. Did you know that Facebook has a plan for every dime you have? Do you know China has a plan for the next 100 years? Do y'all know what you're eating dinner tonight? I'm not saying you got a plan out meal plan for the next 15 years, but the problem that I'm running into is I live my life. What are you doing today? I don't know. Let's see what happens. What are you doing this weekend? What are you going to do this weekend? I get a text from Thomas. Movie, 10 minutes, on my way. Bet. Gone. It's not bad. It's good. Go watch a movie. Go hang out. 
But if all my life is waiting for something else to happen that may not happen, I'm wasting my time where I could be investing into my future. See, that's why we read books. Not because we're bored, but because we're investing into our future. So we listen to podcasts that are not just something that is a, you know, a, a, a love saga, but because we're investing into our future. That's why you put your money in your IRA and your 401k, because you're investing into your future. So here's the question. How short-sighted are you investing into your relationships, into your families, and into your career? How short-sighted are you in investing into your spirituality? Where do you want to be with God next year? Where do you want to be with God in five years? What are the weeds, what are the struggles, what are the issues that I'm dealing with today that I will be angry at if I'm dealing with those next year? What is it? That's how you live your life. That's how you grow spiritually. Growing spiritually doesn't just mean read a chapter of the Bible a day. It's sitting there going, where does God want me to go and I want to take the steps to get there. And when we don't have a plan, we will always fail. And we'll always get distracted. And something else will take our time. Can I tell you, if you need to lose 15 pounds, it doesn't happen just because you thought about it. All right. I'm done beating people up. Hallelujah, she said. Thank God. Now, one more thing. So short-sightedness a lot of times in my life is it creates this idea of doing something with good intentions but never taking place. Like when you sit down in December and you say, what are my New Year's resolutions? You all think about it. What do I want to happen? Some of you guys even write them down. That's about it. It's like me sitting back going, I really think we should feed the homeless. We should get a bus, make a bunch of meals, drive around, and feed the homeless. That's a great idea, right? Oh my God, I love that idea. That's such a great idea. We're such good people, I know. What are you gonna eat? I'm gonna order a pizza. All right, sounds great, and we never do anything. Because what happens is that if we're not making the steps to do something about our future, all we do is feel good about thinking it's that mental stimulation without any kind of transformation. Because transformation is spelled W-O-R-K. I know it's a cuss word. But that's exactly what we deal with. The problem is, is that we don't want to kill the weeds. Because it's easier to cut the weeds than to pull them. A couple of things. Number one, the first thing you got to do is just to remember that because something's pretty to the eye doesn't mean that you need it there. Knowing that a weed is in your life is the very first thing that you have to do. You gotta identify what's a weed. You gotta know what's going on in your life that you've got to take care of. What are the things that are, that are going on in my life today that will keep me at the C level next week? What are the things that have to be pulled out so that I can go from a C to go to a C plus to go to a B? What are the things, the steps that I need to take care of to go through that? Number two is this, is that it sounds like a cliche, but hear me out. You need to talk to God. It's not oversimplification. You need to because he is the best gardener. Did you not see the Garden of Eden? It's kind of cool. He knows his stuff. 
And I can promise you this, there's going to be moments where you need his wisdom, you need his grace, and you call out to the Holy Spirit, and you, lead, you be led by him, and you follow those things that he's gotten for you. But we've allowed this mindset of weeds to stay, and we will just cut them because they're green, and they look like grass, but the gardener is wanting more from us. So ask the gardener what it needs to look like. Lastly, this is a hard one. Get to work. Thinking about pulling weeds isn't going to do anything but make you feel better. Thinking about pulling weeds is a great idea. Pulling weeds is the best idea. How many times do you wake up on a Saturday? What, do you, what should we do today? You know what we should do? We should really clean this house. We should clean this house. What's on Netflix? I don't know. Cleaning the house sounds like a lot of work. Can we just go to the park so we don't see the dirtiness of the house? You laugh. I do this. I wake up and I'm like, this house is atrocious. Hey, kids, we're leaving. And we'll hop in the truck and then we'll go somewhere. And you know what? It's clean where I go. And it looks great. And I do no work. And I feel good. And I come home, I'm like, ah, it's not clean yet? Yeah, no. It's... You got to get to work. If you want a clean house, somebody's got to do it. If you want to get the weeds out of your garden, somebody's got to do it. And I know, like I said, pulling weeds is a horrible idea. And I hate every bit of it. But can I tell you, the after effects are amazing. Remember when Pastor used to have that garden up here? And he, he tended to that thing like it was his child. I know, that was a stab, because he loved it more than me. No, um, but no, he, he, he tended to it, and it was beautiful. And you could walk it and grab fruit. It was amazing. But he, ooh, he, tr- he worked hard on that project. And everybody walked him like, this looks great. We should do a garden on our place. You should do a garden at your place. And you're like, that's a lot of work. I'll go to Publix. <laughs> this is where we are. And if you want to get somewhere that you've not been, you've got to work for it. Mind you, it's not in our serving. It's in our why we're serving. It's not in our busyness, but what are we building towards? You need a plan for your life. You need a plan for your finances. You need a plan for your relationships. You need a plan for your retirement. You need a plan for your spiritual life. That's a lot of thinking. I know. It's hard. Thinking's rough. Take some Tylenol. It's going to be okay, I promise. The headaches will go away. It's so much better for me to take the easy road. It's good, it's fun, but it's not the best. It's always better for me to do it God's way than to live life in a drive through mentality. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. As we wrap this up, Lord, the weeds, the, the drive through mentalities, the issues in our lives, God, let it be seen to ourselves, God. Let us be able to identify the difference between a, a pretty weed something that looks good, and the best thing that you have for us. So God, I just thank you that each and every one of us, uh, on our way homes and driving with our our spouses, with our kids, whatever it is, we have self-reflection as we go and get food and we eat at home, we go through the drive-thru, we go to a restaurant, that God, we have this conversational piece of what are the weeds that we, as a family, are going to pull up? What's the weeds chore that we are all going to be doing together?
how do we maintain this healthy garden and to make sure that once the weeds are pulled, that we continue to keep it pristine? God, if there's any kind of uh, habits, actions, mindsets, thoughts that we need to cast down and we need to kill, we need to crush, that, Father, you show it to us, things that we need to have actively changing in our lives. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.